So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Come and See Inspirations, being produced here in our Come and See studio here in Ada. And this, the 2nd of February, it's the Feast of the Presentation of the Lord. And now we're to produce the programme as usual, Shane Ambrose. Good morning to you, Shane. Good morning, John, and how are we keeping this morning? Good, thank you very much, Dave, for joining me. So this morning, we, uh, so today, we also want to welcome, as usual, our trusted friends and prayer guides who, who join us each week. That's our listeners, our listeners, who, especially those who are housebound, lonely and struggling. Listeners who support us each week, as I said, in prayer, and, and those who meet us each week and, and um, give us lots of encouragement to keep going and enjoy some of the reflections we have, especially the science for the week, and also um, some of the music we play. So you're very welcome and thank you indeed for joining us again. Just a reminder again to, for listeners outside of the area, this programme is actually broadcast on Sacred Space Local. It's on West Limit 102 Local Radio on a programme called Sacred Space. And that's at 10am and 11pm every Sunday. It's also available on our um, podcasting um, outlets, which we have. It's come and see inspirations.buzzpread.com actually is the site we use. That's, but once you just Google come and see inspirations, you'll find us there. It's also available on Spotify and iTunes and also on our blog, which is www.sacredspace102.blogspot.com. This week, um, slightly different, although it's an annual event, really. Shane has decided that he's going to give us some information, a year in review, which is probably good for all of us in terms of a, of a, of a faith point of view. Looking forward a little bit to next year as well. Uh, we'll also do our Saints for the Week, our Saints for the Year. Shane will explain that in a second, our patron saints. And as well as that, of course, we'll have a reflection on the Sunday Gospel. In the meantime, as usual, if you want to contact us, please text us on 87 That's 87 You can email us, and that's on sacredspace102 at gmail.com. So again, the text number 087-6088-667. So this part of the programme, as usual, um, hand over to Shane, and Shane might introduce some saints for the week and maybe a few more items. Thanks, Shane. Thanks, John. So, uh, as John said, busy programme today, a couple of things to cover, but we'll start off, of course, with our regular review of the Saints of the Week. So, as John said, today, the 2nd of February, is the Feast of the Presentation of the Lord, otherwise known as the Purification of the Blessed Virgin Mary. It is a feast day, so it, it's a Feast of the Lord, so out, it outranks Sundays in ordinary time. So then, next week, we'll have the fourth week in ordinary time, and for those praying the Psalter, we're on week four. So Monday, the 3rd of February, is the feast day of St. Blaise, Bishop of Sebaste, martyred in Armenia. And of course, the great tradition associates him with the uh, veneration of, uh, as a patron of those who suffer from diseases of the troth. So it is traditional that on the feast of St. Blaise that people get their throats blessed. Now, the reason being, of course, that it seems a Blaise by tradition well, he was a physician before he became a bishop and he died in 315 A.D. Tuesday then, the 4th of February, is the feast day of St. Isidore of Pelusium, a hermit, a monk, an abbot, theologian, and a priest. Um, in his desert, desert monastic life, he tried to imitate the life and mission of John the Baptist. He was a prolific writer, writing over 10,000 letters, of which 2,000 have survived. 
and he died in around 449 AD. Then on Wednesday, we have the feast day, that's the 5th of February, we have the feast day of St. Agatha, Virgin and Martyr. So this is another one of the great Virgin Martyr saints that are listed in the Eucharistic prayer number one, the canon of the Mass. So she's up there with St. Lucy and St. Agnes, Agnes's feast we celebrated a few weeks ago. Agatha died a martyr for the faith in Sicily in the 3rd century. And for some strange reason, she's the patroness of bell founders, as in those that make bells. And she's associated uh, with stopping um, the eruption of, I think it was Vesuvius at the time. So then uh, on Thursday, we have the 6th of February, we have the feast day of St. Paul, Miki and Companions. These are the Japanese saints, or Japanese martyrs, who were martyred at Nagasaki in Japan in 1597. There were six Franciscans, 17... Franciscan tertiaries and three Jesuits and people might remember that Pope Francis uh, venerated their relics at the shrine in Nagasaki when he visited uh, Japan during 2019. Then on Friday uh, we have the feast day of Saint Mel and of course Mel of course is very much a name that we're more familiar with, familiar with now after the restoration of the cathedral in uh, Longford after that big fire a couple of years ago. St. Mel died in 488. He is said to have come to Ireland with St. Patrick, with whom he worked until he was ordained by Patrick. And he is, by tradition, he is the saint who gave the religious veil to St. Bridget. For those observing the observing the um, the, the, I don't know, the tradition, but the practice, that uh, Friday is the first Friday of the month. Saturday next week is the 8th of February. It is the feast day of St. Josephine Bachita. She is a saint associated very much with Sudan. She was a native of Sudan, died in 1947. She was bought, brought as a slave to Italy where she became a Christian. And she later entered the Institute of Canosian Daughters of Charity in Venice. Her feast day is also the International Day of Prayer and Awareness Against Human Trafficking which was first established in 2015. I also forgot to mention, John, today, as it is the presentation of the Lord, the Feast Presentation of the Lord, it is also the day of prayer for World Day for Consecrated Life. So in many dioceses around the world, um, there will be a Mass where the bishop gathers the religious in the diocese to pray for them and to acknowledge the role and of their uh, place in the church community. Now, um, one other thing that we often do on the programme Actually, before I get to that, so uh, as it is the first week of February, I also need to mention the Pope's intentions, which is that we listen to migrants' cries. We pray that the cries of our migrant brothers and sisters, victims of criminal trafficking, may be heard and considered. A very appropriate uh, prayer intention from the Supreme Pontiff, given that next Saturday we go to the polls in Ireland. Now... As John mentioned, one of the traditions on Sacred Space 102 FM at the beginning of the year is that we generally seek to find blog uh, patron saints for the year. So last year, I had the Archangel Raphael, John had St. Matthew the Apostle, and Anne had St. Jane of Valois, whose feast day actually is the 4th of February. So this year, when we ran the names, saints name generator, roll a uh, drum roll, please, John. So, the patron saint for the radio program this year is going to be St. John Bosco, uh, founder of the Salesians and whose feast day is on the 31st of January. 
So there you go now, John. And we only spoke about what John Bosco there just a few weeks ago with the solutions. Exactly. The Salesian Sisters are celebrating their centenary in Ireland this year. So my own patron saint for 2020 is going to be St. James the Great. Feast day is July the 25th. And of course, he's the man that's very much associated with Santiago de Compostela and the Camino. He's the patron saint of arthritis sufferers, uh, labourers and pharmacists. So I'm hoping there's nothing there to too much to read into it. John, who did you get for 2020? OK, I got... St. Philip Neri. So, St. Philip Neri, uh, known as the Third Apostle of Rome after Saints Peter and Paul, was an Italian priest noted for founding the Society of Secular Clergy called the Congregation of the Oratory. He was born in 1515 in Florence, died in 1595, feast day 26th of May. Uh, patronage of Rome, Institute of Christ the King, Sovereign Priest, and laughter of all things. So, hopefully, it'll bring me a bit more laughter this year. Looking forward to connecting up with St. Philip. And Anne couldn't join us in the programme this morning, but uh, did um, roll the dice, as they say, or ask for uh, for a saint to be maybe allocated to give it a bit of a hand this year. And she got one that she was very happy with, St. Joachim. St. Joachim, father of the Blessed Virgin. Feast day, the day after your Shane. Shane, I think, you, did you mention James the Great, the 25th of July, did you? So Joachim and St. Anne of the 25th, 26th 26, of July. 26th, yeah. So obviously, uh, St. Joachim and St. Anne remain fervent in their prayers uh, to be blessed with a child. Uh, tradition teaches that while Joachim was away from home, an angel appeared to him in a vision. The angel promised that he and St. John would, uh, and Anne would bear a child who would be blessed through the ages. Upon awakening from his vision... St. Joachim rushed home to share his excitement with his beloved wife. She was there to greet him, only to reveal the same good tidings as she has been promised in another visitation from God's messenger. So that's Anne's St. Joachim and mine St. Philip Neary. And the blog again, Shane? John Basco? The radio program, John, as the blog is retired. The radio program's patron for the year is St. John Bosco. I like him, I like him. Okay, maybe at this stage we might go for our spiritual communion prayer. We missed it for the last few weeks, but we'll pray it this morning. For all those who can't receive Jesus at the Mass this morning. My Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot now receive you sacramentally, come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Now we go for our first bit of music. This one is um, by Emma Quinn from, um, from Liam Lawton's album. And this one is entitled Voice of an Angel. Well, let's hear this and join us again in part two in just in a few minutes' time. Of an angel 
So welcome back again to the second part of Come In See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley and Jayan, as usual, of course, Shane on the other end of the Skype line, as we mentioned in part one. This is the time of the year when we review uh, 2019, the previous year. Shane, where would you like to lead us, please? Yes, John. Well, before we start with the review for 2019, um, myself and John, as people know, we record the program ahead of the Sunday. And when we got off the finished pro- recording the program last week, I turned around and I WhatsApped John and I said, we forgot Holocaust Memorial Day. And I thought it was important. And I think, John, you agreed with me that this year that we just have a small reflection on this because, of course, it is the 75th. Uh, Holocaust Memorial Day, rather, is the the date that commemorates the liberation of the Auschwitz concentration camp. And it is commemorated on the 27th of January each year. But this year is a particularly special anniversary because it is the 75th anniversary of the liberation of the camp. And the reality being that because of age and time, those that survived Auschwitz uh, there are less and less of them that are, are available to tell their story and to remind the world what happened there and the vow that was made that it would never happen again. So there was two there was two events this year. The, there was the national there was the international commemoration at Auschwitz, which was held on the 27th, but also on the 23rd of uh, January there was an event held at Yad Vashem in Jerusalem, which is the the memorial and the museum that is in Jerusalem. And it was called the World Holocaust Forum 2020, uh, remembering the Holocaust and fighting anti-Semitism. And the piece that we're now going to play, I thought it was a very interesting piece that we came across. Uh, it's a challenging piece, and we felt that we should share it this morning. It is President Frank Walter Steinmeier. He is the president of the Federal Republic of Germany, speaking at this event about the Holocaust in Jerusalem. And I thought, you know, there's a lot of food for thought in what he says. And as we remember the 75th anniversary of Auschwitz, and we remember the vow that was made at the end of the Second War, we have to remind ourselves that it only takes for good people to be silent and apathetic for evil to thrive. And in the world where we see growing anti-Semitism and uh, abuse against migrants and refugees, we need always to be on our guard. 
the industrial mass murder of six million Jews, the worst crime in the history of humanity, it was committed by my countrymen. The terrible war, which cost far more than 50 million lives, is originated from my country. 75 years later, after the liberation of Auschwitz, I stand before you all as President of Germany, and I stand here laden with the heavy historical burden of guilt. Yet, at the same time, my heart is filled with gratitude. Gratitude for the hands of the survivors stretched out to us. Gratitude for the new trust given to us by people in Israel and across the world. Gratitude for Jewish life is flourishing again in Germany. My soul is moved by this spirit of reconciliation, a spirit which opened up a new and peaceful path for Germany and Israel, for Germany, Europe, and the countries of the world. The eternal flame at Yad Vashem does not go out. Germany's responsibility does not expire. We want to live up to our responsibility. By this, dear friends, you should measure us. I stand before you grateful for this miracle of reconciliation and I wish I could say that our remembrance has made us immune to evil. Yes, we Germans remember that sometimes it seems as though we understand the past better than the present. The spirits of evil are emerging in a new guise, presenting their anti-Semitic, racist, authoritarian thinking as an answer for the future, a new solution to the problems of our age. And I wish I could say that we Germans have learned from history once and for all. But I cannot say that when hatred is spreading. I cannot say that when Jewish children are sped on in the schoolyard. I cannot say that when crude anti-Semitism is clogged in supposed criticism of Israeli policy. And I cannot say that, ladies and gentlemen, when only a thick wooden door prevents a right-wing terrorist from causing a massacre, a bloodbath in a synagogue in the city of Halle on Yom Kippur. Of course, our age is a different age. The words are not the same. The perpetrators are not the same. But it is the same evil. And there remains only one answer. Never again, nie wieder. That is why there cannot be an end to remembrance. 
And that was President Walter Steinmeier. He was the he is, I should say, the federal German president speaking at the Holocaust event in Jerusalem on the 23rd of January. And a reminder to us, I suppose, in particular, as the world remembered the 75th anniversary of the liberation of the camp at Auschwitz, of the importance of us, why we remember, and for us always to be on our guard uh, and against those that would seek to persecute minorities. There was a number of brilliant speech, uh, talks and speeches at the commemoration given by survivors but we played that one because it's already translated into English. But if you're online, I would highly recommend Googling to see those uh, those witness statements from survivors of Auschwitz that were given on the 27th of January. So moving on to the next part of our program, <clears throat> we have another Sacred Space 102 FM tradition, which is to review the church year. Now, normally we do this earlier in the month of January, uh, slightly later this year. But we'll still do it, myself and John. We'll remember and recall kind of the major events that happened in 2019 <coughs> and also look into the crystal ball and see what might be happening in 2020. So kicking off, so of course, one of the big things at the start of 2019 was, of course, the World Youth Day, which was held in Panama and, of course, which Pope Francis attended. Now, yes, it sounds strange, World Youth Day in, in, in January, but because, of course, it was held in Panama and the timing of the seasons, usually, of course, it's held in August. So that kick-started the year. Uh, of course, one of the big things that came out in January as well and was a theme which went throughout the entirety of 2019 was the increase in persecution of Christians around the world, and in particular in the Middle East, countries in the Middle East. Uh, as well as that, of course, in January, we also saw the bombing of the cathedral in, sub in parts of the southern Philippines, with a number of people being killed. February 2019, Pope Francis visited Abu Dhabi and signed a declaration of, of tolerance with the Grand Imam of Al-Azhar University, which is a great seat of learning in the Muslim world. At the And that was at the beginning of February. At the end of February, um, in the, around the 21st to the 24th, there was a summit about abuse at, and dealing and handling with identifying abuse held at the Vatican, at the Vatican with Pope Francis making a point that it is a societal ill and that the church in particular needs to react and deal and answer for the issues that have been highlighted. In March 2019, uh, the Pope was very much clocking up the air miles again, and he visited Morocco from March 30th to 31st. Again, we're very much focusing on the outreach to the Muslim world. Uh, at the same time, there was also in Rome during the month of March, there was a visit by the heads of the Mormon Church to the to to the Vatican. I'd say which was an interesting uh, conversation, John. I would say, uh, yeah, definitely. And then, from an Irish perspective, in March 2019, we had the first announcements or reportage of plans to change the setup of formation of seminarians at Minute uh, Seminary. Uh, they were first aired by the Irish Catholic in March 2019. No, April 2019, I think for many people, the main thing that's, that may, they may remember, of course, was that horrific bomb attack in Sri Lanka on Easter Sunday uh, in a number of churches that were attacked and the killing of people that were at Easter Mass. So that was one of the main things, sad things that happened 
in 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 April. At other other things that happened in April, Archbishop Dermot Martin reminded St Vincent de Paul of its Catholic identity, part of a little bit of tatarara that was there at the time. And on the international front, there was that amazing gesture by Pope Francis, who, with the Archbishop of Canterbury, had invited the leaders of South Sudan uh, warring factions to the Vatican for discussions. And at the end, we had that image of Pope Francis going down on his knees to kiss their feet, begging them for peace. Um, and as well as that, in April 2019, we also had the public the publication of the Apostolic Exhortation following the Synod on Youth in October 2018. So the Apostolic Exhortation was published and it's called Christus Vivet, Christ Lives. Um, so that's where there were a couple of the main things kind of in the first quarter, the first four months of 2019. John? Okay, Shane, just as a quick, a quick reminder as to what we had in the programme, maybe for those same few months. We started off the year actually with Father Martin Brown and he spoke to us uh, around the prayer for Christian unity. I was followed the following week actually by Father Brendan Coffey, from, again from Glenstar. He's the abbot actually of Glenstar. And Father Brendan spoke to us about the Benedictines in Ireland. Father Amy McCarthy from Radio Maria spoke to us uh, in early February and of course just remind people again if they want to get Radio Maria Go on to RT1 TV and just come back one. And um, lots of programming there 24 7 actually from Radio Maria. You mentioned about uh, the World Youth Day in Panama. We had a young fella, uh, Jared Hanley, nice guy from Dublin, and he spoke to us about how the young people who couldn't get to Panama, uh, Panama celebrated their own Panama in Dublin uh, um, while the, the, the main event was taking part to the other side of the world. Rose O'Connor joined us again in February to, to tell us about the setting up of the pastoral units and so on and so forth. Father Columba McCann, again from the Benedictines, he joined us again towards the end of February and he spoke to us about the Benedictine oblates. Lent, we decided to come into, uh, sorry, March, we decided to come into Lent. Father McNamara and Dr Jesse Rogers each week gave us their reflections on Lent. We actually played a very popular piece um, on St. Patrick's Day. It was something that was recorded by Father Michal Liston, actually going back to 2014, gave us a reflection on St. Patrick. And then with the Troker campaign, we spoke with uh, Colin Hogan from the Troker campaign towards the end of March. Just a quick one going into April there. We had Mary's Way of the Cross in April, early April. Holy Week, uh, reflection by Father Frank Duick. And then we had the re- a beautiful reflection or re- re- reflecting on the resurrection in everyday life by Martina Lahan Sheehan. That's, that was towards the end of April. And we finished off April then with Claire Devaney, a young lady who told us all about Catholic school repeats, re- retreats. So, Shane, that brings it up to the first three months of four months. So, um, on a more global level, I suppose, in May 2019, the Pope was seriously clocking up the mileage again. Uh, he visited Macedonia and Bulgaria. And in Bulgaria, there was a focus on building relationship with the Orthodox Church. And in Macedonia, there was a focus on Mother Teresa. And that visit occurred from May the 5th to the 6th. Uh, he also visited Romania in May 2019. Uh, that trip took place from May 31st to June the 2nd. Now, it was interesting, in May, uh, the Vatican uh, gave the green papal green light to uh, official pilgrimages to start going to Medjugorje. Uh, up to that, um, 
the bishop that oversees uh, the, the the parish that that, that Medjugorje is in had requested that other um, pre bishops wouldn't take pilgrimages there. But however, that got the papal green light in May 2019, and one of the first Irish pilgrimages being led by an Irish bishop is going out there in 2020. In May 2019, we also had the sad news of the death of Jean Vanier, founder of L'Arche Community, uh, who died in May. And of course, there was also, as well as that, the tragedy, if, well, you know, the, the, the not, uh, yes, tragedy of the fire at Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris and uh, the burning of the cathedral and the collapse of the spire. And of course, the whole drama of the rebuild and how long it's going to take and how it's going to happen is still ongoing. It's actually interesting, John, I was just reading the other day, they still actually haven't secured the site at Notre Dame uh-huh. because the problem at the time was when the fire happened, there was scaffolding up for repairs and that scaffolding twisted and melted in the heat and trying to take it down is actually proving rather difficult in case that undermines the stonework of the cathedral itself. And then on top of that, the walls of the cathedral are designed to hold up the weight of the roof. And without the weight, they're actually afraid that they're going to fall. Okay. So it's one of the challenges that's still there for the rebuild of Notre Dame, aside from the fact that there is an ongoing debate as to how the renovation or the restoration is to happen. In June 2019... Um, Archbishop Dermot Martin denounced the whole thing of show funerals in Dublin and in particular the, those associated with the drug feuds. Uh, he came out quite strongly about that in June 2019. At the same time then in June 2019, Cardinal Pell lost his first appeal in uh, in Australia for the his, against the conviction of the child abuse uh, that he had been convicted for. In July 2019, Pope Francis caused a bit of a stir uh, around the Catholic world by giving some of the relics of St. Peter to the Patriarch of Constantinople. And we had discussed this on the program previously, John, of course, where it was like nine pieces of the relics uh, that had been held in the the chapel in the Apostolic, Apostolic Palace in Rome that were put there by Paul VI, and Pope Francis decided to gift them to the Patriarch of Constantinople as a sign of fraternal fraternity and a hope for the unity of Christians. Also in July 2019, uh, Archbishop Dermot Martin, um, or, or Eamon Martin rather, uh, remind, let us know that there is a possibility that we will have new 42 new Irish saints, martyrs from penal times, whose paperwork had gone missing and had been rediscovered and submitted to the Vatican in Rome. So that brings us up, John, then to August uh, 2019. Okay, so let's uh, quickly go through, I know I'm going to try for time. Um, Back in in May, we were joined by Bishop uh, Brendan Leahy, who who spoke to us on his pastoral letter on holiness. Father Richard Keane uh, joined us to speak about the prayer for vocations. Our own Lorraine Buckley shared a lovely reflection on the month of Mary. Father Luke McNamara again reflected for us on the Acts of the Apostles. In June, our good friend Father Eamon Conway spoke to us about Lockdown. Uh, Father Sherman said, right, of course, gave us another update on the Our Lady of Perpetual um, Help, which was taking place that particular time. Again, Lorraine Buckley, uh, later on in June, gave us a reflection on Corpus Christi. 
And Father Donald Neary join us uh, towards the end of June to speak to us uh, about, all about the Sacred Heart Messenger. And just to finish off July there, uh, Martin Rose Sullivan uh, chatted to us about children's faith camps and faith resources for children. Uh, and the 14th of July, we were joined by members of the Emmanuel community who are based out in California. There were young, about four or five young people from, I think, Australia, France, Ireland, UK, I think. And they were out on mission there for a year. And then in the end of July, then we had a repeat of an interview Lorraine gave. Um, she spoke to the Cistercian nuns of Glen Clan in County Waterford. That brought us up to the end of July, Shane, OK? So, okay, John. So then September, uh, Pope Francis visited Mozambique, Madagascar and Mauritius. That trip was the 4th to the 10th of December. Then in October, the big thing in October, of course, was the Synod on the Amazon and the whole issue of the pastoral response in the Amazon and the ecological response of the church, both in the Amazon and around the world, which, of course, had the Pachamama controversy in, in the middle of it. That biz, That whole thing about whether the carvings were actually idols or representations of the Blessed Virgin Mary and the whole debacle that happened around them being thrown into the Tiber River and having to be rescued by the Italian police. October, of course, also had the canonization of John Henry Newman on the 13th of October. So Henry, John Henry Newman, of course, associated with the foundation of University College Dublin uh, here in Ireland, as well as associated with the or- oratories in the UK. November then, we had Pope Francis's trip to Thailand and to and to Japan and his visit to Japan was a lifelong ambition of Pope Francis Uh, he'd always wanted to be sent on mission to uh, Japan and he gave a very profound speech in uh, Hiroshima uh, responding and calling for peace and nuclear disarmament Uh, of course November 19 also had the controversy here in Ireland about and the call for the Vatican to block the transfer of the land by the Religious Sisters of Charity for the National Maternity Hospital, uh, which, of course, is still ongoing. And finally, in December 2019, uh, Pope Francis lifted the pontifical secret on cases relating to and dealings relating to child sex abuse. And in Dublin, of course, there was that big announcement in Dublin that there's the plan to move sacramental preparation out of the schools and back to parishes. And in addition to that, of course, as well, John, then there was also the, the the delayed beatification of Fulton Sheen, which was supposed to happen in December and has been postponed. Um, well, there's no there's no new date set by the Vatican. We're waiting for the new date to be announced. And just very quickly, just uh, just to pick up just a few little um, programs for the last quarter of the year, Father Eamon Conway uh, joined us again to speak to us on the canonization of John Henry Newman. Um, Sister Patricia Hogan and Sister Teresa Brown spoke to us on Vocation Sunday to speak, or Mission Sunday. Both of them spent between them 100 years on the mission, 100 years between them and the mission. God bless them. We ended up in the year then. We had Sister Betty Baker and Sister Sarah O'Rourke, who shared with us about 100 years of the Salesian Sisters. Prior to that, we also spoke with Father Dan Kell, and Father Dan spoke to us about 100 years of the Salesians' presence in Ireland. So both the sisters and the fathers spoke to us about the Salesians. Shame we got a minute to go. That was 2019. So, crystal ball gazing, John, for 2020. What's going to happen from a church point of view in the coming 12 months? So, one of the main things, of course, is the fact that Pope Francis has to publish the apostolic exhortation following the Amazon Synod. 
and the, we are all waiting to see what's going to happen in terms of the proposal for lifting the rules on or changing the rules on priestly celibacy. Another big thing coming down the tracks in 2020 is the publication of Predacta Evangelicum, which is the new apostolic constitution which deals with the running of the Vatican departments and dicasteries. So they're all the bureaucracy in Rome that helps the Pope. And that's going to be a new apostolic constitution which is going to be published in 2020. Also, of course, from a... a controversy point of view we are waiting to see the publication of the investigation into the who knew what and where and when in rome about theodore mccarrick um each of the the american bishops are currently making their ad limina visits to rome and each group that has gone in has raised this and has been told that it will be published shortly sadly we're also likely to see further uh, controversy uh, in Rome in relation to financial issues and in particular to the management of the, not the Vatican Bank, but the administration of the pap- uh, patrimony of the Apostolic See. Archbishop, in, on the Irish front, Archbishop Dimit Martin turns 75 in April and will tender his letter of resignation as required by canon law to Pope Francis. So we'll have to wait and see what happens to the largest archdiocese in the country. Cardinal Pell has his appeal in February 2020 to the highest Supreme Court in Australia. This, there's ongoing uh, challenges, I suppose, between the relationship between China and the Vatican. So we'll wait and see what's going to happen in relation to that. And I suppose here on the Irish side of things, we have to keep an eye on things like further attacks on the seat of the confessional, uh, the upcoming debates on euthanasia, and the challenges against the Catholic ethos in Irish schools. And I suppose, John, I suppose the last thing I suppose that we have to ask our quest the question that may happen for 2020. Uh, is the possibility, of course, of a papal funeral. And I'm not talking about Pope Francis here, of course. I'm talking about Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI. The man is 93 years of age and have to say if anyone has seen pictures of him recently mm-hmm. he is extremely frail so uh, we could have the f- his, a historic first of one pope uh, officiating at the funeral of another of his predecessor in 2020 so we'll just have to wait and see what happens and of course the other challenge uh, for us locally you know is we are going to be down uh, maybe one or two priests later on this year within the diocese which means masses are not going to be as frequent as what they were before so the challenge will be uh, you know to to maybe travel a little bit more maybe it might be so conven- so convenient to get a perfect mass time and so on and so forth but it's a challenge for us to keep attending mass and um, keeping the sacraments as best we can. But that's all ahead of us. We look forward and hope to that. So now it's time for, to go for our second piece of music, and the piece of music we can choose today is, a, is a, from James Coban, and it's entitled Waiting on a Miracle. So join us again in part three, where we'll read and reflect on the Word of God. Just to grow a handful of corn Poverty clings to a few poor souls From the day that they are born A lame man dreams about running A sick man dreams of a cure I'm just praying that you'll come back Right through that door Well Superman wanted to fly 
So welcome back again to the third part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeney, still joined by Shane on the other end of the Skype line. And this is the part where we read and reflect on the Word of God. Uh, Shane, we might pray this prayer before reading and reflecting on Scripture, please. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your Word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this Word reverently, attentively, and humbly. May we not despise this Word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed or our minds wander. But may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for that, Chair. 
So the Gospel for today, the Feast of the Presentation, is taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verse 22 to 40. When the day came for them to be purified as laid down by the law of Moses, they took him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, observing what stands written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male must be consecrated to the Lord and also to offer in sacrifice, in accordance with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now in Jerusalem there was a, a man named Simeon. He was an upright and devout man. He looked forward to Israel's coming and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death until he had set eyes on the Christ of the Lord. Prompted by the Spirit, he came to the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the law required, he took him in his arms, blessed God, and he said, Now, Master, you can let your servant go in peace, just as you promised, because my eyes have seen the salvation which you have prepared for all nations to see a light to enlighten the pagans, and the glory of your people Israel. As the child's father and mother stood there wondering at these things that were being said about him, Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, You see this child? He's destined for the fall and the rising of many in Israel, destined to be a sign that is rejected, and a sword will pierce your own soul too, so that the secret thoughts of many may be laid bare. There was a prophetess also, Anna, the daughter of Phanel, of the tribe of Asher. She was well on in years. Her days of childhood over. She had been married for seven years before becoming a widow. She was now 84 years old and never left the temple, serving the God day and night with fasting and prayer. She came by just at that moment and began to praise God. And she spoke of the child to all who looked forward to the deliverance of Jerusalem. When they had done everything the law of the Lord required, they went back to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. Meanwhile, the child grew to maturity, and he was filled with wisdom. God's favour was with him. That's the Gospel for today, Sean. Uh, sorry, Shane, uh, a few thoughts on that, please? Yeah, um, I suppose it's, it's a Gospel which... Um, actually might not be that familiar to many people. Um, it's very much, of course, associated with the feast day, and uh, which, of course, the traditional name for today, of course, is Candlemas Day, because it is associated with the blessing of the candles which would be used in church at home uh, for the following 12 months. There's a number of things, I suppose, that come out of this gospel. One of the, that, one of the ones is that lovely prayer from Simeon, known as the Song of Simeon, or the, the Nuc Dimittis, is the traditional gospel canticle which is recited during night prayer throughout the whole church. And it's a wonderful song of hope in God being fulfilled. Um, you know, Simeon rejoices that God has blessed him after so many patient years of waiting with his heart's desire uh, to see his Saviour. And I suppose it's a promise to us also that God is faithful and will always fulfill his word. Because what I think this gospel speaks of is both the faithfulness of the people, the characters that are highlighted, which of course is the Holy Family, and then Simeon and Anna. And what we have here, of course, is the Holy Family is fulfilling the Mosaic Law, 
which is what's called the redemption of the eldest born because they were dead they were being regarded as being dedicated to the lord and as well as that then mary going up to fulfill the uh the purification rites after giving birth so we have this example of the faithfulness of the holy family but if you think about it jesus did not have to be redeemed by the law because of course he's god and mary did not have to be purified because of course she is the virgin mother of god but even despite this they were an example um the, the, of faithfulness and obe- obedience to the law of, of as the as it was understood at the time faithfulness of course is also the theme that comes across with simeon and anna both of them in the temple waiting trusting in the lord waiting for his promise to be fulfilled to the people of israel and of course we have that great prayer from simeon and that reminder to us of hoping at god which is lovely prayer to be said at night and uh then of course we also have the prophecy of Simeon to Mary about the fact that while Jesus is the promised one, is the saviour that is coming to Israel, he will be destined for the rise and fall of many, because some will follow and some will not. And I suppose that's the question for us, I suppose, this this Sunday in terms of, are we like Simeon and Anna? Are we waiting for the Lord? Are we responding to that faithfulness from God? and aware of our response are we going to be part of the rising of israel as simeon put it um i suppose there's also for me as well there's just the whole tradition of candlemas is that symbolism of light and the fact that you know jesus is the light of the world going back to last sunday's gospel with the fulfillment of the prophecy of isaiah about you Naphtali, you Nebuli, way of the Jordan, far, way of the sea, the far side of the Jordan, the people in darkness have seen a great light. Um, so the linkages there, I think, for me this Sunday, have given great kind of pause for reflection. And I suppose, you know, the other side of it is well, for us to reflect and to think about what it is, because what we had here was we had the, retur- the entrance of God into his temple. You know, the temple was the sacrosanct place in ancient Jerusalem for the Jewish people. It was where the Spirit of God was to reside in the Holy of Holies. And here we had the divine, we had Jesus, true God and true man, going up, being carried up to Jerusalem into his temple. You know, if you think about it that way, like, you know, because he was, he was, he, he is God. So for us, I suppose, this Sunday, looking at it, reflecting on it, thinking about it, what does the present day, what does the feast day of, of the gospel of the feast day have to say to us? And for me, I suppose the thing, the one key word that comes across again and again, faithfulness. And I suppose that is something that we need to think about because at times it can be difficult for us to hold on. But the examples of Simeon and Anna are there for us. The example of the Holy Family is there for us to be faithful to the call that is given to each of us at baptism, to respond to that call, to answer to God's call. Shane, thank you so much for that. That about brings us to the end of the programme. Um, thanks again for staying with us this week. Thanks a lot for bringing us all that information, Shane, in, in part two of the programme, going right the way through last year and the challenges, of course, for this year. So we'll all pray that we'll be given maybe our patron saints, the ones that we picked there this morning. And just a quick one, Shane, if people wanted to pick their own patron saint, Google Saint Generator, isn't that it? 
Saint Name Generator. Saint Name Generator. Yeah. And then pray, of course, before that, and then off we go and see. So listen, thanks to, again, everybody for joining us. We'll, we'll, we'll do it all again next week uh, for myself and Shane. Thank you again for joining us. We're going with a final piece of music. This one is by Mark Forrest, and it's entitled You Are Mine. So to next week for myself and Shane, God bless you all now. Bye. Bye. A voice came from the cloud. This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. I will come to you in the silence. I will lift you from all your fears. You will hear my voice. I claim you as my choice. Be still and know I am name.